They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Today's guest is somebody that I'm surprised I haven't had on earlier, and our schedules have finally matched up before I tell you who that very special guest is. Just like I do on every show, I want to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, and Little Nikki. And to my newest patrons, Andrew Krause, Seth Comfort, Little Nikki, Rita Peterson, Adam Stewart, Jessica Luker, Alana Navis, Ryan Kashmir, and Mike Ellison. Thank you all so much. Um, I would do this for free and do give all of you most of the things that I do for free. But the fact that some of you want to throw some money at me because you recognize that it actually takes time and effort, even though it is something fun and enjoyable, I really appreciate that. And um, it's helping me uh, be able to do this as my second job, which is actually fun and keeps me sane (laughs) Um, instead of doing more engineering work, which is what I do for 10 to 12 hours a day. And the uh, more of that that I have to do outside of my main job, the sooner I might just disappear into the ether. Um, With that, today's show is brought to you by The Film Rescue Show. And numerous number of people who I don't even have all of their names written down um, get together and have guests that try to rewrite films in Hollywood's history, whether they be movies that are considered bad or just movies that, hey, wouldn't it be interesting to do this different? Seth Decker and all of his buddies just knock these things out. I've been a guest on the show talking about Serenity. No, not the awesome Joss Whedon movie, but this other one that the less you know about it going in, the better. Um, Drink heavily. It's bad. Uh, so with that, um, one of my patrons and the host, or at least, um, uh, pitch master general of the film rescue show, Seth Decker, good sir, introduce yourself. Nepotism is real. <laughs> uh, hello, uh, I'm, I'm the aforementioned Seth Decker. I am the pitch master general on the film rescue show, which is really just a title that I gave myself out of wankery. More than anything, although I do hold a couple of the uh, the records for the show, so maybe it's deserved. I don't know. Um, I also run the the parent media company that uh, hosts the Film Rescue Show. That's Montressor Media. Um, we now have Jesus Christ five podcast. Can I cuss on this? I can cuss on this. it's shooting the shit. Absolutely. I, I, I won't even I won't even give you a ten minute limit like you guys do for yourselves. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we. Uh, we yeah we have five podcasts under the umbrella now and i don't even rec- record or edit three of them that's amazing to me uh, isn't that great listen whenever i see new pop-ups in the google drive of like completed episodes i'm like wow my job just got so much easier getting all these other people in here um yeah so so that's me that's what i do we also make short films um of which we have one coming out fingers crossed next month we'll see um uh, a short film of which your very own host of this show was involved and has a credit in and let me say at how random this and and i'm gonna call this a friendship 
a very, it seems like a very long standing friendship because as all of my friends tell me, that's how I treat people. I don't know if it's a character trait. It's not something I set out to do. It just feels good to treat people with respect when um, they treat me the same way. But, you know, I came on the film rescue show. I don't know if, I don't think I had even been on at the point you sent me the script for that. No, no, you hadn't. I mean, I think like you said, um, you and I are similar in that way that we just kind of, when we, when we start acquaintanceships, we just start treating them as, as, uh, any other friend. And I think that endears us to a lot of people. And because we have that similarity, uh, you and I were on recorded tomorrow together and that's where we yes, met. That was it. Yeah. And, and just from the get go, I was like, this Chris dude's awesome. I want to be his friend. Like, let me show you this, this short film I'm working on, like shaking in my boots. Cause I'm always scared to see what internet people think of the, the stuff that we've done and written. But I mean, you, you jumped right into it. I mean, you're ready to get up to your, your elbows in writing and just, yeah, what a, and, and then you came on to film rescue. And then now here we are, uh, with all the other projects that we've launched and started in between, including a project between the two of us, which has been a ton of fun. Yeah. I was going to say the, um, the good transition of you Mm -hmm. saying, you know, having someone else editing something for you is not something I had ever thought about. Mm. In fact, it's, it's something that, um, I have a hard time with, I I guess I would say. And it comes from that. uh, I I think you you have really helped. And again, this is going to sound weird because you came into me going, you know, oh, man, I I follow your stuff. Your stuff is awesome. I can't wait to, you know, be be on something with you. And like I I think of it in the other direction and that kind of blows people away. And I don't know if it's a unique way of way of thinking that I just have, but it's genuine. When you sent me that script, it's like I don't you know, I had spoken to you you know i'm with you on that show recorded tomorrow once and we had had a back and forth but i've never seen anything you've made i've never read anything you've written you know what i mean from from a film standpoint so for you know to me if someone comes to you and says please read this thing you know to me it doesn't matter if i read something I, i i'm no expert you know what i mean so I'd rather just offer constructive criticism the same way I'd expect someone offering it to me, but I had never edited a screenplay before. You know what I mean? So I'm in the same place. I'm sitting here kind of shaking with the comments I gave back. Cause it's like, I don't want this to come off. Like I'm some kind of elitist, you know, <laughs> film school teacher. That's like, Oh, oh you need to change all of these characters because this guy should be British. And this guy should, have, and it's like, instead you came back and you were like, Holy crap. Like, and, and it, it, it amazed me. I'm sitting there like talking to my wife while I'm happy. And I go, this is, this is electric. Like I want to do this more. And I realize that it's something about me and something about how I carry myself in my job. I'm a, I'm a closer. I, I'm a collaborator. I don't do well um, coming up with stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is I don't come up with the first idea. Well, like the whole, this whole um, minor you know, triple Z list level of podcasts that I have that a lot of people seem to enjoy came from my brother just kind of going, Hey, Chris, you need, you know, he didn't tell me this, but in his background, you need a creative outlet. Um, You know, you're missing that part of the creation part that when you and I hang out and work on my stuff, you just like light up. And it's really hard to do that when you have a house and a job and a wife and kids. And there's, that's not a negative. Like some people would say that's what's holding me back from my art. And it's like, no, you got to find a way to do stuff 
that allows you to scratch that itch without it becoming all you do. Yeah, totally. If you know what I mean. And so that that script, so, so Bob got me on the podcast with him and then gifted it to me. And then all these other things dropped out of my brain as soon as he was able to get those gears spinning. And it was the same thing with that script. You You needed, you were asking for genuine help. And to me, it's like, I'm just reading something and like, I don't know if I'm going to come up with a, you know, maybe you change this, how this works. I don't know if that's going to come like a slap in the face. And then (laughs) you were so open to it that it was so electric. And I'm so, I'm so happy that that worked out. And I can't wait to see this damn thing because the script was so good, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really impressed I, I think, okay, so just a little background on me. I know film school. I've done all this just like literally YouTube's been my education. So that's why a lot of the stuff I reference and the people I look up to are, you know, in that um, <clears throat> in that universe. Um, so I got involved in these short films. And the first one I did was just absolute dick. Like it was so bad. <laughs> and, but, but even when I look back and watch it now, I'm like, well, I, I can kind of see what I was going for there. Like even years removed from the first one, I'm like, no, there was a good idea in there. And I almost executed something there almost. And so every subsequent, uh, every subsequent, subsequent one, excuse me, I have a terrible stutter. That's just me history. But um, mine comes out when I get excited, too. I don't know yeah. if you've noticed that, but yeah. mine, mine just takes me over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so every subsequent short film, if I slow down, I'm fine. Uh, every subsequent short film I've done, I've brought new people in that knew more than me or knew equal or less than me, but were just as excited to help. And so that's all culminated up to the short film that we're talking about here, Goldfish, um, that like... The first I went through and did the f- the first draft. It was supposed to go to Awesome Con. Awesome Con got canceled, um, and so it was like, well, now I just have this thing sitting here, and I could really do something with this. I don't have to rush anymore. So then it was like, well, let me. I've never had the the post production process of being able to like sit and like really think about scenes and and play them back and and make sure that they play out well you know, a few weeks later after I've edited them and, you know, just because in the moment you can really get caught up in it. And that's why I sent you the script in the first place. We, I I had like my third or fourth draft and I was like, I'm, I'm too close to this. It's right in front of my face. I need to send this to someone who knows nothing about it and can look. And all of your input was like, I see what you're going for here, but this is not as natural as it would be this way. And that just made a world of difference. And it's made a world of difference in the post that like, I'm I'm ready to put out my first short film that I'm like proud of all the filmmaking aspects of it the the pre filming and post production um it's going to be I, I mean it's not going to be world breaking at all but I'm going to be so proud of it cuz it's going to prove to me and the crew that I've pulled together that like we can make movies like this is not outside of our wheelhouse at all right of course and you know another cool thing that that the Google Doc that you were using allowed is I was seeing the other people you had collaborating and commenting. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to work off of each other. And to me, that is, you know, it happens in engineering, of course, but, you know, opinion and attitude, there was no one in that chat that was trying to bowl over somebody else. Right. There was no one in that chat that was going, you, you, know, you know what I mean? There was no one trying to showboat their way through it. <laughs> um, and and, and I, I have to deal with that too much in my in the real world. Um, and so the collaborative stuff that, you know, we both find ourselves in 
it just makes me so damn happy that I, you know, I could have a, a shooting the shit episode with someone that as I'm learning more about them, there could be a lot about their personality and attitude that I don't agree with. You know what I mean? That comes sure. up and it never like to me, because it's happening in real time, I don't have, you know, like their Facebook feed in front of me to make it a, get an opinion of them or their, you know, uh, and, and that's why I like doing it cold a lot of the time when, so, especially when someone reaches out to me, huge fan, I'd like to have you on. I learn almost nothing yeah. because to me, the excitement of getting to know a person, the excitement of human contact, um, you kind of learn who they really are and learn that some of that stuff is a front. <laughs> and, and I, w- and I wish we could do that with people we work with. You know yeah. what I mean? To really understand, Oh no, they're, they have to do that because they're used to being undermined. Like if you understood that you could support them a bit more, you know? Right. And I think, I think creation, especially when creation isn't for, you know, it's obviously, you know, it, it's, it's where, you know, I use the word artist loosely because some people think that that, but you know, we're, we're artists working together, collaborating yeah. at, at its bottom most level. That's a personal need to create. Yes, there's money. Yes, there's a schedule. There's a deadline and all this stuff, but it's a personal need to create. And you can't really fault someone, even if they come up with a piece of garbage, if they enjoyed the process oh, yeah. of getting there. And that's why I think you're, you know, and, and again, Montresor Media, you know, as a whole, you're just blowing up kind of like me. I just keep adding stuff and being able to have you be the editor happened the exact same way as the goldfish thing. You and I were just talking about my new show because I felt confident in sharing with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I had this show concept idea and you were like, Oh, I think that's great. Do you have an editor? And I literally had premiere open and was making my backgrounds and stumbling through it because I haven't used premiere. I've, I, I just edit film in premiere. You know, yeah. edit film, put some transitions, put some titles, you know, that stuff. I won't call that easy. Like there, there's still a lot to be said about a talent there. Oh, there's editing there for sure. Editing, moving pictures and small things. And like you said, using keyframes and all this stuff is not something I have any, any background in. Like sure. my brother does it in his goddamn sleep. And I don't know <laughs> how he does it. But, um, you know, so and you were like, hey, do you need an editor? And so like the amount of confidence we've built, built in each other. And I just said, yeah, let me just Google share the whole file. And, and just so people, you know, know and understand, like, it wasn't like a, oh, and then I had it perfect. Like you offered awesome feedback for how to change around, you know, the, the speed and the order of things. And so this is, this is not, you know, th- it, you know, this is a, the chip of made this thing, but this is a collaborative effort yeah. and it's the first thing I've done. That's not just that the collaboration is just having a guest, you know, you know, we're not just creating the content by speaking to each other. This was, this had post-production and I've right. never had any of these go that way. So I'm just so jazzed that, that, um, you know, and another thing, coronavirus has robbed all of you of a me and Seth hopped ones. Oh, I know. We had plans. <laughs> we had plans. So that's going to happen guys. <laughs> I, I am very, very excited for it. I'm, I, there, I mean, even if we decide at one point to just like turn on the uh, the the old webcams and just get the uh, the drinks in on each end and do it, I mean, if whatever way we got to do it, I want to do it. But I'd love to do it in person. Well, I um, mean, we have we have to do that, but we have to hang out in person too. So 100%. I was going to say, I, I you know, obviously you're on this show. I've had um, Mike Spielman on this show as well, who's part of your umbrella of friends. I mean, I think he's 
you're one of his kids' godfathers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy's awesome. And, <laughs> um, you know, Mike, if you're listening to this, I, I mean, Matt, you, you're great. Is he, I don't remember, like, because I saw the picture. Goldfish was what, you know, six months ago now? Yeah. But, like, I was helping you edit this. Uh, but he's, is he in it? Yeah. He's one of the leads. Yeah. I was going to say, that's what I thought. I just, you know, I've not met all you guys. So I'm going off of just photos. But who else who else was involved in the production of that? Oh, man. OK, so from from the Montrester side, obviously we had um, uh, Devin was a writer on it and then he was d- he's doing post-production with me. Um, Devin's like the other head of Montrester. We came yep. up with it together. And then um, Aaron, the host of uh, uh, Palette Cleanser and then is on our um, it's not D&D. They corrected me a million times on it. I know nothing. It's an RPG it's a tabletop RPG kind of thing. Um, she, she was in it as one of the, uh, one of the baddies and just, (laughs) we, we wrote. So in writing, this is going to be a a long rabbit hole to get back to where we were. That's okay. As we were writing. You know me. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to put a pin in my head so I remember where to come back to. I'll cross my fingers, too. (laughs) Uh, As we were writing, um, we were using this program, uh, or we were using the Google Drive for for collaboration, but then I was using another scripting program that you drop it in, and it tells you, like, you know, um, the percentage that each character is speaking. Um, It'll tell you, like, who your main characters are based on the amount that they speak, Uh, and it'll tell you if you pass the Bechdel test or not. And so first draft, I put no genders in. It's all last names. And so the program assumes it's all men. And I was like, okay, well, let me go through and add who I think is going to be in each role. And we add everybody in, and it passes the Bechtel test. And I was like, okay, cool. I like that. Um, but then we got to the character that initially someone else is going to play. Um, this actor was not available. So Aaron volunteered herself. And so we ended up turning the character into this, like, non-binary John Waters, like, uh, um, organized crime leader, and it's just yes. like the 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 oddest, most unique character. I, like it, it 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 turned out like the visually, it's probably one of the most like interesting characters I think we've ever committed to film. Um, that circles back. So she's she was involved. Uh, Brandon, one of the hosts on Film Rescue, he was our uh. uh He's, he calls himself director of photography. He was assistant director, if not full director at times, depending on what we were shooting, because we were shooting dual camera. So that means at different points, we the there would be two scenes being shot in different locations at different times, which totally new experience to me. Um, you, you go one, into like one quick one quick thing there because that that just breaks my brain a little bit. The first movie I ever made with my friends, and again, movie. Um, me and my brother made a bunch of movies when we were younger, but the first like movie that I'd call that like I made with my friends was called now I lay me down to sleep. My friend, Tim, and if you haven't seen it, it's in that YouTube list. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not great, but it's one of those things that conceptually is a lot of fun. And we had a lot of fun, but we were doing a dual camera filming thing with like a second unit and everything. And at some points we had both cameras rolling at once. So we could, you know, instead of, 
turning around and filming over the person's shoulder and getting this guy talking you cut to both yeah. which was a great way it, the editing was awesome because of that but we thought we'd be really clever and turn on the widescreen button on the cameras <laughs> and one of the cameras was VHSC and the other one was digital super 8 oh my god and and their aspect ratios were completely different <laughs> so the shots it looked like you were watching a badly edited version of traffic We're like, <laughs> oh, the, and it just your dual camera thing made me think of that i'm like oh i'll never do that again oh man okay if and i like you're you're i'm i followed what you were saying but like brandon would have been able to run with that and know exactly what to do in the moment i and again that's why i bring these people in anyone that knows more than me they get the uh the head position for whatever they know more in um, uh, Jesse, one of the hosts on, uh, film rescue, um, lent us all of the like guns and cosplay equipment that we ended up using in it. So like basically everyone Montressor involved was involved. Mike Spielman, who's been on here was in there. Uh, my girlfriend, Jesse was one of the leads in it. Uh, Jesse's girlfriend, Addie was one of the leads in it. Um, just, I mean, probably the most stacked up crew that me, Almost. No, yeah, definitely. I would say definitely the most stacked up crew we've ever had. Uh, we, we did one film last year that was like, there was like 20 people in my house. And I was like, holy shit, how do all these people want to make a movie together? This is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. What a good and, time. Like, And after reading the script, you sent me the first couple pictures of um, the set when you got, and it like, it it's exactly what I envisioned when I was mm -hmm. reading it. So it's like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> It 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 looks so it looks like a movie. I don't I I don't even have the the like language to describe exactly what I mean by that. But like I, I the one the one um, blooper that I sent you. I mean it like it looks like a movie. It looks like a blooper it, from the end of a movie that you'd it watch. It really does. Yeah. I'm. It's I, not I'm, even. It's not even kind of funny how like it's <laughs> like. And again, that that's weird. Like when you create something and you look at it and you go, "Did I do that?" Yeah, <laughs> especially when it's a collaborative effort. When you when you know when when Krista makes from Less Than Jake sent me that song, and again, it's not like you know I I had a phone call. He called me like mm -hmm. it's like I I got to talk to him on the freaking phone. That was so cool. Yeah, but the like getting the feet getting that song from him and like listening to it and I'm like oh shit like and. Not it's not like I didn't write it, but I was involved in writing it. Like I came up with ideas, and he just popped that out after me describing the show, and then that mixing up with your editing and your stuff. It just it's like you look at it and you go, I like this was in my brain, and these guys took it with their expertise and ran with it, mm -hmm. and that's so cool. And I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm me, used to me either. <laughs> I'm used to coming into um, you know. But like, like the thing with goldfish, it's showing that I, you know, I come into stuff usually and I'm the guy helping someone finish it. So for me to have started an idea and realizing there's other people that like that I can explain and can understand my thought process and what I'm thinking, but can also go, hey, suggestion. Right. <laughs> you know, and not have it be a suggestion that's self-serving for them. That's the other thing that I think creation and collaboration is very important. A hundred percent. Because like what you're doing is you're you're building something in someone else's brain w with their thoughts, right? And so it, even if it seems whole in your head as, it, as it's being built in their brain, they're starting to see holes that maybe you didn't see before. And 
the right kind of person is going to look at that and go like, okay, I can see what you're going for here. I'm, I'm seeing what might be an issue or uh, an opportunity to fill this in with something else. You know, those, those kinds of things. If again, if you're too close to it, if it's right in your brain, getting it into someone else's head helps that whole picture to come out instead of just the, you know, just the, um, the flat image that might be stuck in the original creator's head. Right. Of course. Dude, what was that movie you did the music for? Oh, for Brandon short film. That was so good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, that's my background. That's, I mean, music is pound for pound. The thing I could probably put up to anyone else is like, you, you, unlikely that, you know, more than me, you know what I mean? Like just because that was, uh, I classically trained in violin and cello since I was seven and then got in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, uh, so I was homeschooled and my parents were like, you do sports or you do music, you pick. And I was like, I guess music. And they were like, okay, well, we happen to have a violin. So that's what you're going to learn. And found me a, uh, a German music teacher and then an orchestra. So yeah, classically trained. I can, I can sight read music. Um, then I also learned how to play by ear when I picked up guitar at 15 because of Guitar Hero came out. And I was like, I want to do this Woo-hoo! for real. I don't want to press the buttons, man. I want to play it for real. Um, and then, yeah, from there got into like um, making a band and getting into touring and got all the way up to getting signed and then was like, yeah, this is going to be a lot of work at this point, And I don't know if I really want this. And everyone else in the band was like, yeah, we just like making stuff in our basement. Um, so, yeah, music that that end of things. So that was um, Brandon short film. Uh, what was the word that we were using at the beginning of COVID? Unessential. That's it. Yes, that was um, so good. Everyone yeah. should see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll 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 send you links if you put links in descriptions or anything. I I'll do. send you a link to it. I do. Um, two, yeah, he he. Not thoughts. only did. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No. Well, yeah. Just finish the thought on his thing. I just got to cross my fingers because you you popped something <laughs> into my head there. Right. Not only did he kill it like visually, it, and he did it all by himself. Besides his girlfriend as a stand-in for a couple things, like he did everything by himself, and that just blew me away. So when he sent me the like couple, all he sent me is screenshots too. He just was like, "I have these like screenshots I can send you. Can you write me the the final score off this?" And I was like, "Absolutely, <laughs> no problem." That's awesome. It, it, it's so good, and like I said, that's I I love also. I mean, you know we. Most of the shows I do, the very first thing we hit on is some joke about COVID to get it out of the way. But right. and, I don't, and I don't want that to be what this is about. But part of this is that, you know, all of these people that we're associated with, this outpouring of content and people finding ways to be creative during this has been a big saving grace of it. Yeah. It's been the look at like people are looking at the friggin' void in the face and going, Oh, fuck that. I'm going to keep doing awesome things or fuck that. I'm going to take my depression and, you know, the malaise that I'm feeling over all of this and turn it into something that you can hopefully relate to. Right. And, and, and I think that's awesome. Um, doubling back to your, your music thing. Yeah. Uh, two things. I know uh, some people from harmonics who made guitar here. I know them because my buddy Casey ended up loving those two games so much and he got into game design that he went and worked for harmonics and was a product tester on rock band and then a lead designer on rock band two and the beatles rock band that's amazing and um and then got caught in the big layoff when you know those games stopped being marketable Mm. um 
but they would love, and this is the thing that Activision as a production company never got and why rock band kind of split off the guys from harmonics would love to hear someone say, I got sick of hitting the buttons and wanted to pick up a real instrument because that was their entire point of the game is they said, people kids hear these bands on the radio and they feel like this is inaccessible to them. You know, they don't like, there's so much less music education and so much less parents giving a kid an instrument and telling them, no, go to your piano lessons, learn. And they said, and again, it's not for everybody, but we want to be that inspiration that the kids were missing where they go, okay, so this is okay. So I strum like, Again, I had I had never played an instrument really in my life except for bass. So when I first played Guitar Hero, just the concept of holding the note and strumming, like I had that down. But the game, like I started seeing, okay, this isn't the real chord progression, but you know, it it starts feeling kind of fun. It's like, oh, yeah. that, that's actually fun. So then you pick up, you know, and see what the chords look like, or see what the individual notes look like, and realize that it kind of progresses the same way. And you go, oh, shit, like, I know that song and I know the timing of it. Right. So now it's like all of a sudden all you have to do is fill in that gap with the strings. And that's where they were always pushing towards. And that's why they eventually started making the instruments more realistic. And then you end up with a game like Rocksmith, which is just like, no, just hook up your whole damn guitar and we're just going to teach you how to play right now. Right. And, right. And I love that. And I've always liked that about harmonics. And I like that they're still making games that are pushing that like they're just dance not just dance that's the cheesy one but still fun but they're dance revolution or whatever it was called dance central okay. that they released with the uh xbox like oh, on the connect stereoscopic camera that was a harmonics game and they their whole thing was again the whole point of it was to get people to realize that there's an art to this it's not just go to a club and dance around like an idiot to music it's like you no know, dance styles are an art form and like they're just such a wild company because they really just care about the music. They're all in bands, you know what I mean. And um, I just think that's really cool. And so that jumps me to your your thought um, about being in a band. So I've talked to you about your band before, and I think your band is great. Thank you. Um, so tell people a little bit about that because I didn't know you were all the way up to being signed. Like, because I mean, it, the stuff you sent me sounded, you know, like you could have put that on the radio. In what what year was it? Like two thousand two, two thousand three? Oh, totally. Is that when it was? Like I don't. Oh no no the that album uh, the one that I sent you that was um twenty seventeen when that came out. Okay, again I'm my 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 brain for time because you could have put that on the radio because again my my big you know punk emo hardcore days were college right so that's why I'm right. my brain goes back to when I was in college but you could put those songs on the radio and it and I don't mean that it sounded generic I just mean the quality yeah the quality of the writing and the recording and you said you guys were just kind of doing it in your like basement yeah well, which is insane <laughs> I mean I'm I'm such a hands-on learner and the um I have the advantage that the guitarist uh that I work with Andrew Gerald he's actually my roommate now um, he is the same. We, we both will like, we'll approach something and say, I think we can do this and we'll give it a good, good college try. And then at the end we'll be like, all right, why does this suck? And then go back through and keep teaching and learning ourselves. So yeah, teaching ourselves and learning. And so the, the album that I sent you started writing in 2014 and then Holy crap. 
yeah, there's four, I think four incarnations of it that before we got to the one that we actually released, which was, we had got to the point where we were learning, like, well, like we were taking music engineering classes together and like oh. learning the stuff online to be like, oh, this is, this is how you get things to sound like this on a CD. Um, and we're, we're all, we're all from Baltimore. So, uh, Paul Levitt is like a big name in, uh-huh. uh, recording and he's like a buddy of Gerald's now because they just started emailing and going back and forth. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll shoot you some pointers. I'll give you some, some presets to plug in. And, and he was, you know, somebody that we, we wanted to record with. We just didn't have the money and yeah, just, uh, teaching ourselves to get to that point. Um, but uh, you know, like you were saying, everything's very 2002 to 2008 influenced across that album. So yeah, yeah, it, no, and, and that's what I've been mean, on the radio. I would have been through. like totally, yeah. And, and again, so what was the name? I, I just you never said the name of the band. Oh, I want to make yeah. sure people get it. I'm, I'm so bad at plugging. I, I no, that's I like all right. To, I like to talk about things. I don't like to plug. Um, so the band's that's name why is Young. I'm here, Seth. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes when I'm not the host, I forget myself. Um, Isn't it weird to not be the host? Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> okay, sir. Go ahead. Um, so the band's name is Young Poet. Um, there's, I think, a few of them, but we're the only verified one. Uh, the album is called Thrive in a Modern Era, and it was basically, we were coming off the the final pass of pop punk, um, that whole era where everybody was converting over to pop or to some other new sound, and we were all in our 20s at that point. We had all started doing band stuff in our you know, early teens, and that's like angsty, she doesn't love me music. And uh-huh. we were like, let's write an album about being in your 20s and like friendships not working out and Aww. your dad being disappointed in you and like, you know, the stuff you think about in your existential 20s. And uh, yeah, so the whole thing sound sonically is very energetic uh it's a little a little on the heavy side um i mean like i have a i have an angelic voice so like i don't scream but our drummer and bassist can both uh, scream so there are a little heavier bits on it some people are opposed to that so i like to give a little warning but 90 percent of it is just very um sonically energetic uh it's a lot like a day to remember and yes. all time low and fallout boy. And, um, well, remind little... people fall, 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 and not that, not that I would ever fault fallout boy for hitting it big and, you know, finding a way to keep their sound and keep relevant because good on them, but find early fallout boy. Yeah. Uh, two, two thousands and previous <laughs> fallout boy. <laughs> don't listen to like the fallout boy songs. They play at hockey games and think Seth's band's going to sound like that. Cause maybe you're into that. You'll be disappointed or the other way around. You'll never listen to Seth's band. And I don't <laughs> want that to happen. <laughs> no. Um, if, if you like, if you like heavy guitars, if you like shredding solos, if you, cause it, we didn't want to go full pop punk either. I, I find that stuff a little repetitious. I would definitely yep. fell more into the, uh, more into the like alt rock or ska crowds um, when I listen to music, but you know the where we were. I mean, right outside of all time low territory, it's like, well, you're going to be pop punk if you're going to be anything. So we just yeah. incorporated a bunch of other stuff into it. It reminds me a lot of when you really break it down. I I always used to love to pull this factoid on people to remind them that despite what the singer's voice sounds like, Newfound Glory was a hardcore band, <laughs> right? And that breaks people until they until and again i love newfound glory 
but Same. that guy's voice is almost too pop punky for me. But yeah. I but I've met them. I've I've got their autograph before. I think they're awesome. Their crowd is very mixed because of that. But if you take his voice out and listen to the music, it's not even like they're not even kind of a hardcore band. Like yeah. they all still want to be playing the thrashiest stuff. And he is singing the happiest lyrics over it. <laughs> and it's so weird. And um, no, but you guys, you're right. It, it, it's like that, that all time low. It reminds me of early thrice. We used to call it mm. melodic hardcore. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. The, um, was the genre that we used to call it. I sound like such a fucking tool. Um, people used to call it melodic hardcore. <laughs> yeah well and then um actually out of your area the biggest band influence was uh four years strong so and good. they they started off melodic hardcore and then the term easy core kind of mm-hmm. evolved from all of that so i think they kind of adopted that and that was really uh, what we adopted as our thing too it's it's easy core not pop punk but you well, know. right and again it's 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 a distinguishing point because now no one cares Right, because music is just kind of all blended. And I do mm-hmm. like that about it, that you can have, you know, a crowd like where Dead Mouse can play a show with Newfound Glory and with Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and the fans are all into it all. Right. I think that's really cool. But these scenes that you and I were influenced through and that your band was influenced through came from a where, world where it was almost like more like gangs of yeah. like, no, your genre cannot mix with this other genre. I went to a show one time where um, Dashboard Confessional opened for um, why Mudvayne. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> tell me, one, that was a great freaking show musically to see because I actually really like both of those bands. Dashboard moves into a location of they, – they kind of fall into a Dave Matthews band category for me. I really love them live. I feel like they're electric live. I can't listen to them recorded. Mm. It's just something and, – and, again, that's just personal taste. It's just something about the way that it, it's a little bit too – I don't want to even use the word bland because they're great musicians, but it's just a little too same for me, but yeah. live they're, they're just electric. Um, and them opening for Mudvayne and the band's getting along, I guess they got along really well, Sure, <laughs> but their fans did not. And that was the, so it made for a very interesting, um, time on the floor. Let's say <laughs> I, I saw a similar show. Um, it was story so far, opening for taking back Sunday closing with Coheed and Cambria. Yes. Yes. That is a great mix up. What? Like I, uh, my girlfriend and, uh, our best friend got the tickets for my birthday and the show ended up on my birthday. And I was just like, this is the most insane lineup I've ever seen in my life. Just shocking. Cambria has been the hardest band for bookers to place. Yeah, like I saw Kohi do a dual headlining tour with Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, despite, you know, the fact that I don't think they do anymore. But at the time, Avenged Sevenfold came out with a Confederate flag behind them when they played. Right. So and again, that that comes with more of the very outdated. But this was again in like 2002. Right. Um, or 2005. This comes with like the very outdated of no, that's just kind of like Southern rockers. That's like a staple. You need to 
that's like the way you know you have credibility if that's right. part of your logos. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, Leonard Skinner had that in some of their logos. Yes, they the did. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, but and that's not apologizing for it. It's just I I would hope Avenge Sevenfold now would not come out in front of that banner, but I have no idea. But when I saw them with Coheed, they did. Yeah. Um, but God, have you ever seen, so you've seen Coheed live. They mm. are, they're something special because like, like you said, they're, they're not easy to classify. Everyone wants to call them emo. Everyone wants to call them hardcore. Everyone wants to call them metal. They're more like if, if Rush just decided to have like a heavier, more progressive, like, um, if if Rush was just a younger band, like if, yeah. if Eddie Lee and them had just been like, you know, our influences are, you know, like early nineties punk rock instead of, you know, the bands of the seventies and eighties. Right. Yeah. Oh man. They're just they're And, and they're allowed to be all over the place. Their fans though, are my favorite fans to see live because yeah. they have some wordy songs. Let's be honest. Like, yes, they do. And, we just we, there was a row of people in front of us at that show that knew all the words to every song, even the stuff from like second stage turbine blade. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> and I was like, this is just beautiful. Just the wordiest songs and their their fans are so die hard. And like, I know I knew 90 percent of them, too, just because I listened to that stuff all the time i mean that's um i have a, a spotify playlist of like the music that inspired our album and there's at least three coheed songs on there I, I know for sure that there's at least three on there yeah and that's and, and again not like like you said people that are not into heavier stuff i am really surprised those people get into coheed because coheed gets you in the door at least at the time got, got people in the door and how emo it was i mean yeah he is not writing happy songs and this isn't like, you know, emo. I miss my girlfriend. This is, I miss my girlfriend and I want to rip her insides out and light her on fire. Like <laughs> it's, it's just brutal when you listen to, he is a troubled human being, yeah. <laughs> but, but holy shit, you're right about the fans and the fans are so super nice too. Mm-hmm. They, you, you know, and, and it takes all kinds. You go to that show and you'll have, you know, a kid looking like he's going to be going to a corn show, hanging out with a kid in a, you know, multicolored mohawk in a punk rock outfit, hanging out with, you know, just an emo scene girl. You know right. what I mean? And you're like, what, what is happening here? Like, they, they blended it even though they weren't, I mean, they were doing something very progressive, but they fit in well with the sound. But, yeah, yeah it's so hard to place them because you can easily have them open for Iron Maiden as you could have them open for dashboard confessional and the um, musical stylings, you could see the connection. Which oh, is totally. Weird. totally. <laughs> I, yeah, that, and that tends to be my kind of music, the, like the hard to place. If I have to, if I have to describe four bands to describe this one band to you, likely they're one of my favorite bands. That's awesome. I, I love that. Um, and even my friend Jared, who is like the most like metal kid, it has to be like tool and then everything else is just like really dark over the top. Like, and he, he, you know, he stopped liking Coheed after a while. And, and his thing is, okay, they've got their shtick and you know, they do change a lot, but like they leaned more into the part of them he didn't like, which is fine. But he even said, he goes, this, this is something else. This band is unique. Yeah. And, and I, I have always loved that about them. I, um, 
I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah, sorry, I'm all over the place. No, Let's no, rewind. no, not at all. Um, so what do I you wanna... mean that doesn't work? Oh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I want to go back to less than Jake. Ooh, woohoo! Because the 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 story was too long to text out to you, and I knew that you and I were probably going to sit down and, and talk soon anyway. So the fact that it's being recorded for the world to hear, I'm here for it. So. Uh, I grew up in a town called Hagerstown, Maryland, which is like uh, an hour-ish west of Baltimore. Um, okay. It's, it's kind of like on the hub between Interstate 70, which you know takes you out into Ohio, and Interstate yep. 81 that runs up and down the East Coast. So it like it lands in this in this crazy little crossroad. Um, but the town itself isn't huge, and there weren't a ton of bands in the town. Um, historically, the band Kicks is from that town, though apparently. Uh, oh. I, I didn't know until recently I was looking up like, uh, Hagerstown, uh, you know, popular things anyways. So there's this band in the area called Mayweather and Mayweather. I'm not allowed to say it was a ska band, but they were a rock band with a brass section. So Why are you not allowed to say it was a ska band? Who do I have to fight? No. Well, okay. B- b- the band themselves have said not to call them that because I'm joking around. <laughs> they, well, and they did write very uniquely non-ska music. They were all music majors at a uh, art college. So like one of the most popular songs is 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 in a 7/4 time signature. Like it's they they Whoa. yeah, they they got stupid good with writing. Um but nonetheless, they're going to be marketed with ska bands because they're a rock band with a brass section. Well, that's so, what happened with Sublime. Yeah. Right? Yep, you know they were they were all over the place, and they got marketed as a ska band, and not that they were against it. It's just like there's these guys are, you know, I mean, that's cutting out a whole bunch of like island and and uh, Mexican and southern rock influences and punk and all this other stuff they had to bring. But anyway, right. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, so Mayweather, um, we they were like they were like top dogs in Hagerstown. They were the ones that were touring off and getting booked and all that kind of stuff. And it was hard to catch their eye. And eventually we caught their eye. And uh, part of it was stage presence and started part of it was writing. And they were just like, Hey, we like you guys. You can hang out with us now. And we were just so stoked to be at the, at the big kids table. So they were booking tours back in the day and they landed a show with, um, stacked like pancakes, which is, yeah. a, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, I don't not huge, but a pretty big ska band from the Baltimore area. And so, Begged and begged and pleaded, please, guys, please, we'll do a 15-minute set. Like, we will literally spend more time setting up our instruments than we do playing if we can get on that show. Please, please, please. So eventually they relented. Uh, The promoter was fine with it. They knew we could get people out. So we opened for Mayweather, and they opened for Stack Like Pancakes. So now I'm talking to Stack Like Pancakes, and I was like, you know, there's this one ska band that I really love, and they're called Less Than Jake, and... You guys are playing with them somewhere on the East Coast soon. Uh, please, please, please. And I will do anything. I will make 50 friends in whatever town and get them <laughs> to come to the show if we can open for you guys and them. And I will be your street crew. <laughs> literally. Yeah, I, was, I will do anything. And like I am not to toot my own horn. The reason that my band was as successful as we were is I can sell tickets. That's, uh, that's just a skill. Um, so we got booked, but then the show fell through and there was another Uh, one a few months later and we got booked 
and then we didn't have transportation. And then there was a third one. And this was the one that was, I was like, we have to make this happen. I need to be able to put on my tombstone, I opened for less than Jake. And ended up, we didn't get to do that one. Our drummer was sick. We did not have a fill-in. <laughs> so all that to say, my first collaboration with someone from that band being your uh, your new show was like, I was literally pissing myself laughing at just the irony of, yep, that's what it took, Seth, just leaving the entire music scene to go to editing, and now now you get to say that you've collaborated <laughs> with someone from that band. You, ha- I wish you could see how big the smile on my face is right now, and also how bad I feel about that. Can you do me a favor? Please write that down so oh, I can sure. send that. So I can send that to Krista Makes because he actually he'll email me from time to time asking me how the show and the song are doing and everything. Like the guy, the, the guy follows up with his contacts. Man, I'm Good. really I'm really impressed with that whole experience. <laughs> Yep, that's just th- there was a there was a couple bands like that that I was like I was itching for opportunities to get out and and play with them. J- even you know just to just to say I shared the stage was enough sometimes. And there was a few I got to, and uh, less than Jake was one that I did not. Four Year Strong is another one that like I came real close at least twice, and it it fell through. One of them was in my hometown. I don't know how that didn't come to pass. I think they I think they had to skip it or something on their tour, but. That's uh, that's the life of a touring musician. You just you take what you can get. Yeah, that's rad. I just you know, I, and and this is not a I can't believe you guys got that big kind of a thing because I don't. It, it just it like you've you've done a whole bunch of different stuff, and that one is like that's a dream of mine. And I am not well. Let's. I, I have now come to learn from people telling me that they think I have a good voice that <laughs> I can sing. Sure. But, and I don't know why I undermine that so much, but I just like the ability to play an instrument and sing to me is, is a Zenith. I will never reach. Um, even though I can kind of play a couple songs in the mandolin and sing along with them, but well, sure. yeah, but, but that's why I, I did the virtual bar band thing is it's like, you know, I want, I can't write, I can't play other music, but I can sing and I just need a band. And it finally took this damn pandemic for me to make that work. So I'm telling you, I'm holding you to this. If you can ever break out instruments again, we are doing that. Yes. And again, it won't just be instruments. I want your voice too, dude. I think you and I could freaking harmonize the shit out of some stuff. You have a killer freaking voice. Like it's, it's perfect for the type of music you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I appreciate you saying that. That's a, that's a sweet compliment coming from you. No, people got to hear it. I mean, stuff gets lost in the mix. Um, I've been listening to uh, Krista Makes' um, podcast that he does. And he, this is what what our conversation has been for like the last 20 minutes, is what his whole podcast is. He gets a band on to talk about what it was like at their zenith, and they pick a song, and they Mm. just deconstruct it and talk about it. And what I thought was cool is he got his producer from one of their earlier albums to pick one of their songs and talk about producing it. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and that guy said, you know, he was one of the first producers that used pro tools. Oh, wow. So he was like, you know, here's this mid nineties ska band and, you know, they're still learning how to use pro tools. He goes, do you know this less than Jake album was one of the first to use auto tuning. And Chris goes, no fucking way. 
He's like, you're ruining my credibility. Our shit can't have auto-tune on it. He goes, no, no, not your voices. He goes, we auto-tune to the horns. Yep. And I've always hated it since. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that is a thing, though. That, I mean, yeah. that's like, uh, we we had a really cool experience with Fiverr um, making our album. Because there's there's one song that has like a, a horn swell in it. And we yep. were like... How do we get this done? Because we don't know how to record horns. So we reached out on Fiverr and eventually got the the bit back. And I was like, "So how do you guys do this?" And they were like, "I mean, just horns and auto tune until it sounds good." And I was like, "All right, I believe you." It's so wild because horns. I mean, like that. People think that you know that makes a what ska bands get that. It's ska and punk bands for that matter get that oh your stuff is less complicated because you know you're not as musically talented or you're not as good at recording and everything but someone that gets a good recording with guitars and horns and yeah. drums those things are not a simple thing to mix together no <laughs> like, no not at all they are all very different beasts well and especially this the styling of guitar too because if you're like a if you're like a heavy ska band you have distortion and you know that kind of stuff on your guitar which puts it lower in the mix but if you're like like for instance you know the the um song that you have for your for your show's opening that's a that's a very clean um yep. it's all up in the highs like that would blend with horns uh, unless you had the right kind of person mixing it just that you know very different beast depending on what kind of sound you're going for yeah, no, absolutely. And it makes me think, too, of bands that, you know, because Sky has gotten blended into a big mix of everyone calls anything with horns Sky and that's it. I mean, imagine going back and trying to tell like Bruce Springsteen that one of his songs was Sky because it had a freaking saxophone. Right? right. That's about as far from Sky as you can get. But 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 anyway, um, I saw this band one time and I wish there were more bands that were in this genre. Cause I know bands like big D and the kids table from Boston and kicked in the head. I think they were another local. They eventually went from being ska to being more hardcore bands that had, you know, horns every once in a while. But yeah. I saw a hardcore grindcore ska band. Ooh. Okay. And they were called folly and their show. We saw it in like this cellar up in Nashua, New Hampshire called the bomb shelter. <laughs> and this this place it it was a garbage venue, but it's one of those venues that that's what that was the allure. Like no one was going to tell the owner the place was garbage because that was kind of why we liked it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you know there were like sewage pipes like on the ceiling and water was dripping everywhere and it, it was just probably infested with mold. Who cares? Right. And these guys, my friend's band, they were a um a, they were a um uh emo-ish hardcore band called Balloon and Buggy and uh, th they were great you know um, it was my buddy Mike who is a brilliant musician and sound recording engineer and he just wrote all of these sad songs and him and my buddy Jamie you know wrote ridiculous guitar riffs to it and had a good time but they were playing a show with this band Folly and Folly's fans dress like ska kids they were all in the checkered clothes <laughs> and you know like they dress straight up like two-tone ska fans Sure. So Folly comes on and, you know, the dan it, dan 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 it, very, and like the horns start up and their verses are, you know, very like just light ska. Then they get into the chorus and the freaking bass drops and this guy just starts screaming insanity in tongues like 
a freaking black death metal band. Right. And the crowd goes into this crazy ass pit, like just going absolutely nuts. And then Dan it did do the next verse. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I just, they were insane. And, And again, the fans were super nice and it was all just about the performance of it. Like they were so into how little those two things mixed together. Well, and that's what made it great. Yeah, absolutely. And and I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and I'll never forget them. Folly, I wish I could find a recording of them. I've been looking for it for a while. This was one of those, you know, you see a band that just pops out of nowhere. We right. saw another we saw another band that were um when math metal was really big, like bands <laughs> where like stuff was like super like dialed in and like based on an equation called Chromalodian. And okay. they were incredibly talented. Uh, musicians again they were probably music school kids their lead singer didn't sing he was just an accordion player (laughs) okay (laughs) but they were playing like hardcore like it was so weird um i I would love to see that just that blending and then there was another and these all came to the fox common at umass Lowell. there was another called confusatron and they looked like pantera like they just looked like a bunch of ex skinhead guys that were in like a really loud, angry, you know, band. But their um, their effects pedals were all old Nintendo instruments. Oh, that's amazing! So the bassist effects pedal was a NES controller on the back of his guitar. Um, the singer's effects pedal was the old track and field mat from the NES. Yeah, um, and the drummer had some sort of weird thing that he was using and they and so they'd play and then the bassist would hit the pause button and the pause sound would happen and they'd all stop and then like <laughs> like like just to see how controlled and in sync they were and it's like this is awesome you guys are great that's fantastic i love that so did you you know i it, rarely do i get like a, a band you know guy on the show which is really cool but you know obviously there's a ton of stuff and this will not be your last time on the show. I swear. Cause I, <laughs> we could just talk forever, but you know, how long, how long were you guys touring and everything? So, um, 2018 was our last outing. So I'm going to say, uh, five years total. 2013 was our, I think our first official. Yeah. Yeah. 2013. Uh, cause 2012 is really when we officially like started, uh, there, there's a couple like blips and bloops on the map before that, but the official like, okay, we are a band we are trying now was in 2012 and 2013 was our first. Uh, and we, we just started off with like weekend warrior tours. You know what I mean? Head out on a yeah. Friday night to a local show, go as far out of town as you can in a day, get somewhere else, play another show on the way home and then, uh, you know, go right to work on Monday. Um, so that was our first, you know, couple years. And then uh, from there, we'd get into like the the longer, you know, week long, uh, two week. Um, I think our longest ever was three weeks. And uh, and then after that, we started to slow down and got into like more like one offs where we'd like we'd we'd find one really, really good show. We'd get on Facebook, we'd get on Twitter, we'd get on Instagram, we'd add as many people that were local to that area that would use like, you know, local hashtags and things like that. And just like 
befriend 15 people per band member and then try to sell five tickets each just to make a good impression of like, hey, we're this out-of-town band that can sell, you know, 20 to 50 tickets. And then, That's awesome. Um, yeah, just we got really – we went – we set the net really wide and we had a great time, but it felt like a lot of work for not much. And then we got hyper-specific and that gave us a lot more – success overall but then it wasn't quite as fulfilling because just one show you know like when you're on tour you get to it's kind of like being in a groundhog day you just get to keep trying until it's right um right when you have one show you you have to have it like perfect in practice all the time and uh we would have like you know four and five hour rehearsals three times a week just to just for the the one show and it was like that that's the point where we were looking into getting signed because we were putting on these um, these fantastic shows and we had a couple people reach out. We went up to New York, like New York City was like I I was like we made it, guys. We're we're in New York City to get signed, and um, the, we we sat down and talked with the guy and he was really really nice and really open about everything. And I was just like, this is like if we fail at this point, what happens? And he was like, don't. <laughs> And that oh, just, yeah. it, it, it felt like a, not like a mean threat, but it felt like a threat of just like, yeah, I guess if, if we say yes now, we're committed forever, really. Um, or at least until the point that, you know, we've, we can pay off anything that we've paid in. And so that was the point where we were like, let's, uh, let's just take a break. We'll just do stuff at home and do stuff at our own paces. And that's exactly the same point where I got into filmmaking that's where um, the guitarist, he got into like actually sound engineering because um, he realized, too, that as much as he loved doing shows, he really enjoyed the recording process more because that's where we had put a lot of our time in. And, you know, just kind of uh, as things do, I, I know a lot of our fans were like, you guys never officially broke up. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we ever will. Um yeah, we're a band, man. We're a band forever. I don't yeah. know. But... <laughs> um, we, we put out, you know, one album that we're just super super proud of and we we i mean we literally went as far north and east as michigan we got all the way up into uh new york and vermont uh we got down as far as florida uh over into georgia like we we did the whole east coast spread we never crossed the mississippi that was like the one the one thing that we we getting out into the midwest was just like it is barren for for shows out there and uh, and getting all the way to the the West Coast, just like we knew no one, and we we knew no one that could help us. So it was just kind of like East Coast. We know we're we're all from around here. We can figure that out at least. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's pretty damn big for for uh you know for a bunch of guys doing stuff out of their freaking basement, right? That's yeah, yeah. I mean, staying independent allowed us to do a lot, um, and. I, I don't I don't regret not signing. There's a, a part of me that knows that if I would have put my nose to the grindstone the way I have with filmmaking, we would have been fine. Um, yeah, but that life ruins people. Yeah. And, and I don't and I don't mean that to shut anybody down from it. But like when you hear the people that are successful and there's a big air quotes around successful. Right. That aren't still huge. Because you get the fallout boys, they're just raking in the money. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. You know what I mean? But when you hear these guys that come on like Krista Makes show, like even Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio and yeah. you know the, the replacement um, guy for Blink-182, he talks like a guy that's still 
you know, they're not like they've made it out of those original contracts that were rough. They signed and got big and did the two or three years of touring and made the big album and whatever. And now they're just artists making stuff with their friends still. Yeah. And that is not a luxury. Like if you're just, and I'm not going to call it breaking even because less than Jake, I feel those guys, you know, those guys are living, they have families, but that's like the blue collar version of the rock industry, right? You're not, we're not sitting in a billion dollar mansion. They put us up in a billion dollar mansion once when we recorded an album and we got to live that lifestyle for a year, you know, but that's not how we're living now. And that's not shutting down anyone who was able to make it big in that. But for every guy that you think, you know, was in a band that you loved in 1994 or 2015, there's so many that, you know, did what you did and signed and it went really bad for them. Yeah. And that's, you know, to be able to look back on it and know that you would have just been fine, but you also made the right decision and you always had that album to go back on and go, look what we did. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's, um, occasionally surreal. Um, like we, we literally have people that have like tattooed our lyrics onto themselves and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that when I, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, that was the impact of, you know, uh, a kid out of Hagerstown. Um, it, it, it's really surreal. And, and knowing that like, I'm always going to look fondly at that time because, uh, oddly we were the band that did like break even. We never went out on a tour that we didn't come back with at least exactly $0. Like we never came back in the negative, um, which is very, very hard to do. Um, that, that I'll look back on all of that just very fondly. And if my kids want to get into music, I'm going to, here's a guitar, here's a drum set, here's a practice space, like go full hog into it as long as you can. And then just, you know, keep your wits about you. And that's, you know, that would be my advice to anybody in a band that, or if you're thinking about starting it, if you're listening to this, um, I say absolutely go for it. Also know that it is 90% business and then 10% just like blissful art making. Right. And that's, you know, back to the original point, I think both you and I were making here. It's a perfect example of it. Mm -hmm. There's a dividing line in the sand where you have to make between who are you? Like what, what is, what is your life and what controls you? Right. And to me, I'm blessed with, I, I got a, I got a good degree and I didn't just get a good degree. I got a good job out of it. It's not, you know, I'm not raking in millions, but I got a good job. Yeah. That job is a salaried job. So they can take 90 hours a week out of me if they want. I still make the same amount of money. So if I couldn't find like engineering is not my, my music. Right. You know what I mean? I love engineering. I happen to be good at it, but it's not what excites me. I work with a lot of people that do get excited by it. They love they could sit here and that's what I like about my company. They could sit here and work all weekend and work all night for free and just getting to tinker and create new things is their hobby and it makes yeah. them happy. And if, and that helps them pay the bills, they're psyched to me. I get out of here as soon as I can. Cause I want to get back to my family. <laughs> so shit, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I have a need I want to create, but wanting to create means that I have to decide, do I, create and then tell my kids, you know, do I, do I form a band with some friends, which I'd love to do. But like you said, that's a, 
if you do anything serious, that's a, you know, a, that's a part-time job worth of commitment a week Absolutely. worth of time, right? Absolutely. So do you do that and then say, sorry, um, you know, my wife and my house and my children, but not only am I working 10 hours a day, you don't get to see me at night because I'm doing this other thing. Now, right. if it's, if it's a bunch of guys doing cover songs and you might practice once a month or twice a month, and then you do a bar show every month, that's kind of the thing I want to get into is just something oh, where I can put a little bit of time in. You know I, what I, I would, mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't only, if, if you, if you want to dip your toes into being a band, not only would I not recommend that you'll actually make money doing that because that was like, uh, the, the, the off seasons, anytime I wasn't working, that was my gig was just, I'd find, uh, cover bands local that were, cause I can play drums, bass, guitar. I, I know, Many, many, many songs, especially if you want to get like pre 80s, like uh, yep. the band Boston is one of my favorite bands of all time. Yes. Um, you know, the I saw that uh, that whiteboard thing you put up yep. and, uh, immediately. I was like, no, I, I saw uh, um, for play and uh, yes. long, <laughs> I was like, yes. oh, no, I know exactly what that is. Um, yeah. So that's how I'm and I'm, I actually made like a decent living doing that for for a good while um i'd totally recommend that it's a lot of fun too you get free drinks right and, and that's what i'm saying is you know find the thing even if it's you're doing it as a second income find the thing to do that that you don't feel like you're giving your soul away or you're hurting your life right. make it be something that is a good companion to your life and i mean that i mean you, you know you have you have a day job you know what i oh, mean yeah. right just just like the rest of us but you also have this you know series of podcasts and movies and stuff that you're making and you haven't stopped doing that but you had to make that decision and and for you it was right on a plate in front of you of are you going to try to be a professional band right now right. signed professional band or at, at you know what like 23 years old uh let's see i would have been no i would have been like 26 27 yeah well you know what so yeah. like that and, and again that's you know or or you know, are you going to make a decision to, you know, keep building your life and finding out what it is that is. And that's it's such a weird thing that a lot of people think at like 17 or 18. That's like when you have to make that decision. No, no. You know? <laughs> I, like literally, I don't even think we had we had officiated our, our band until I was 17 or 18. Like I I had gone to shows and stuff, but, you know, it was it was really in my 20s during college where I was like, yeah, I want to do the band thing. I have some free time. I'm, you know, doing okay in school. <laughs> and little did I know. That's awesome. Oh, man. It, it's uh, it's so wild. And I, I, that's the other thing is like, don't let, there's people out there that are not as successful as you and success. I don't measure in numbers. I, I'm just saying this to you that aren't as successful at you at any of the things you were trying to do that try to tell you how to do it. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing. I, you know, I do this day job. I easily could go like to any of my, I have a few friends that run their own company and I could consult for them and I could name a very high price. The problem is, is then you have another boss, right? You have another boss, you have more deadlines and that is the kind of stuff that can ruin your life. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It can, it just makes you into an angry, nasty person. It's going to affect my day job work because I'm going to, you know, oh, I just spent all night doing the same shit. You know what I mean? Whereas this, this is like a reset button. I get on the horn during a lunch break, talk to a buddy. 
but then people, you know, you, you try to like turn that into, Hey, people like this, I should make a little money off of this. I don't mm. want to bankrupt people, but I should make a little bit of money. And then all of a sudden you're an e-beggar and an asshole who should just go off and do your consulting work. Well, let me tell you, consulting is begging too. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's saying I can provide you a service and you have to pay me this much money. And that's also begging. That's I'm not their employee. They right. don't owe me anything. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, ah. Well, and and it, it's funny because I, I, I feel what you're hinting at here. And part of it is, you know, I, I have my own Patreon to plug. You have a Patreon. And, yeah. And it, and it stems from – it definitely stems from it, – it's nice to be able to lean back into that a little bit to make it not just feel worthwhile. But um, you and I, uh, with both of our, you know, kind of umbrella – uh, companies, we we put out more often than Netflix at this point. The amount of yeah. content that we have coming out every week, um, and we're also both very particular about you know getting early access out to to Patreon, getting exclusive stuff to Patreon. Um, so it's not. I, I I used to struggle with the whole like, you know, just s- send me a dollar, please. But it's like, nah, dude, like you. P- how many people do you know pay for Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime? And it's like, you're not even paying. You're paying more in taxes for those. And, and than the you- worst, the worst thing, and this this sounds really. I want this to sound in a way that doesn't sound like a guy just complaining. Yeah. Because, I, and and again, this is what I struggle with is how it sounds. But the hardest thing for me is I have a mountain of close friends that know me. Some of them have been on this show. And not only have, like, I never gotten a, hey, your shows are pretty cool from nearly any of them or, like, shares or anything. I actually had some friends tell me one time that, hey, you know, I hang out with you and listen to you all the time. So, like, you don't think I'm going to support that thing, do you? (laughs) And it's like, how does that sound? I mean, I've, like, you know, shared silly crap for you and, like, and again, this to me, the thing I always try to tell people when I hear them sounding like this is that's like, you know, the whole and it goes against how I treat people. I'm 100% a put effort in and not expect any effort back kind of guy. Sure. That's just how I've always been. But like, it sounds to me when, when I hear my other people talking like that, like, Hey, you know, well, I copied off this guy and he got an A and I got a B. I deserve an A too. It's, <laughs> you know, that that's not it. It's just, what's a dollar. Yeah. You know, but but a thousand people giving a dollar is an entire career's worth of money. Do you yeah. know what I mean for for someone like you or me? And you know, putting out a podcast. I mean, you you record two three hour long shows. I record with people for an hour and a half two hours. That's an hour and a half two hours. I won't call it effort. I'm not going to sit here and act like this takes effort right now but but at the same time i'm hosting a show i could come up here and completely suck at this or be antagonistic or tell you to shut up you know what i mean or something like that and again some people get off on that there's podcast hosts that's their whole deal that's that's not me right but um to you know that's you know a half an hour or so of time spent coordinating the time to record. Then the actual recording time is two hours. Then the editing, mm-hmm. even with everything was perfect from Patreon, uh, from uh, Skype recording this, that's still a half an hour to an hour of time in premiere or 
you know, audacity or whatever, making sure this is good. Not on top of having to listen to the whole thing. Right. You know what I mean? So you're talking about, I'm putting out a show a week. You put out one or two or three sometimes, you know, and I, some, and I usually put out eight to 10 shows a month, but at least one a week, that's five or six hours a show, four shows a month. That's a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And again, it's no one's responsibility to pay for me. I'm not doing nothing. You, you're not doing nothing and expecting it. You're saying, Hey, I give you some incentive, but also recognize that I'm creating content. If you like it, a good way of showing me that you enjoy it is throwing a couple bucks its way. I've had my mother come to me with family members that see me sharing stuff on Facebook and go, is your son hurting for money? I thought he was an engineer. <laughs> and my mother goes, well, you know, he is a single income household. And their response back, well, then maybe, you know, she should just work. And it's like, are you serious? Like, do you know how much it costs to put a kid in childcare? Right. Like, <laughs> like what is wrong with people? But, but I digress. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, I love this inside baseball stuff too. Like, I, I don't know for, for all your listeners, if, if oh, this is like it. Okay, people good. Like um, yeah. If, if this isn't your jam, I'm sorry, but the, I saw a quote recently and I, w it was one of those Facebook things that didn't have that, the author, I'd love to know who said it because it sounds like a Gary Vaynerchuk thing. Um, but the quote was your friends won't buy a dollar bottle of water from you to buy a $3 bottle at the store because you didn't sell it to them for 50 cents. Yep. Let me, That's let me say it. that again. They won't spend the dollar on you, but they'll th spend three somewhere else because you didn't discount them to 50 cents. How backwards just. And, and again, and, and, I'll, and I'll make a big statement here to make sure, and I think you'd feel the same way. That does not make your friends bad people. No. This is a, this is a learned, taught, something societal, something social about, I know this person, I'm with them all the time, so I don't need to help them. Right. And, and that's not, there's nothing vindictive about it. It's literally a like, and it, you, we get this with anything, you know, you, we're, we're, we're a couple you know, our friends, you know, have, are sick. We make them food and bring it over. You Tell know me. what I mean? Same thing happens to us. Not a single phone call and no one shows up. Doesn't mean any of these people are bad people. It just means it's like the, you're not the squeaky wheel to them. Yeah. The squeaky wheel is, is not, you know, it, it's never like I'm putting out something there with positivity. You know what I mean? Of, yeah. you know, I post, I post something on my Facebook and go, I'm making cool stuff. Anyone want to help? Nothing. I mm -hmm. post something negative about the president and I get jumped on. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just really funny how, um, how hard. And again, these are two people that are living and doing just fine talking right now. Yeah. What if, what if we needed this to survive? It's just as hard. Right. And that's, that's what sucks <laughs> about, about the world is it's this entitlement thing of, well, you're not really doing a service, go work in a coal mine. Then I'll pay you. Right. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but I want to do this. I like this, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I, 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 I digress now. <laughs> yes. No, anyway, no, it's, 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 it just, it's a point and I, you know, you, you know, it's not, not the kind of point I discuss with everybody, but, um, but I think, uh, 
I think you bring an important point on it. So I eventually need to go back to work, Seth, but Me can too. you tell can you tell the people um, where they can find you and what you're doing and just anything you want to give a shout out to. And I just thank you again for all your help in what I do and for being a good friend, buddy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You, you said at the top that uh, you called me a friend. I call you the same that, you know, there's no, no question about that just because we haven't physically hugged each other. Doesn't mean we haven't uh, emotionally hugged on some level. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there was there was definitely a reach around there. It was it was awkward, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but but I was cool with it. <laughs> oh, it came from me. Oh, I, I wasn't sure where that story was going. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess I'll I'll start with my my first shout outs related to this. Um, if you're if you're here, please take a stop over to uh, this made the chippa. I've been uh, helping him edit a new show that I'm also very excited about a because uh what i do for a living now that i'm not in a band is i i edit uh videos and i edit videos for like corporate hr so i can't be funny ever they always shoot down my jokes even like the the subtle ones so chris lets me be funny in the edit and that is so much fun so please go check that out um, after our Patreon tirade there, if you want to prove me wrong uh, and uh, do it with a dollar, you can come to my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Media, M-O-N-T-R-E-S-S-O-R media. Um, that's where you can get everything that me and mine do. Uh, we have six hosts now? Uh, something like that. Um, basically, we run five different podcasts. Uh, three of them are about films. Uh, one of them is about video games. And there's another one that's the RPG that I mentioned earlier. Um, we're, we're expanding. We're going to have a cooking podcast soon. Uh, we have Whoa. another RPG podcast coming soon. We have, uh, I'm trying to, to build a, uh, blog spot for, uh, for writers. I love writers. Writers are my people. Writers uh, express the world in ways that make sense to me. So I'm trying to make a uh, blog spot for writers kind of along the line of like cracked or, you know, just pop culture uh, writing stuff that may also turn into a podcast. Who knows? I think you and I floated around the idea of a podcast a few months no, back. And we're, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> soon. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the umbrella is ever growing. I love it. Um, I love doing this. This is something that I'd love to convert into a full-time job. We are over halfway to our goal to have a studio where we can do uh, more film related stuff, YouTube related stuff. Uh, every donation uh, helps us get there. And I'm really excited about that, that move from freelance editor, uh, salaried editor into I work for myself. I would love to be able to to claim that. Um, so yeah, that's the that's what I got going on. If you're interested in chatting with me specifically, the way that uh, Chippa often does, at uh, Seth X Decker on Twitter. That is my handle. Um, my DMs are open. You can at me on any topic, and I will do my best to. Uh, to respond accordingly. Um, if you have any music questions, definitely run them by me. I'm not quite as involved anymore, but don't ask me to book you anywhere. I don't do booking anymore. That's the only thing I don't do. I think that's, that's it. 
That's awesome, man. You are, as, as you said, you know, when you contacted me, you were like, Chris, I can't believe all the stuff you do. And (laughs) I'm going to say the same thing back. It's, it's, and again, you've got a whole crew behind you. I I've got, I feel like I do too. I've got very many repeat guests. This show has been great because I can get people to keep coming on and we end up with a niche. And what's great about it is it's like creating little subgenres under the same umbrella of this podcast. Yeah. Which, which I think is really cool. Like, you know, our conversation about music there was similar to what I had with Mark Gadosh and we, you know, he comes on and we just talk about concerts and, you know, had him on uh, to talk about, um, we actually just picked two random albums, you know, that like each of us thought enough, a lot of people had never heard before Mm. and pushed it hard. And it was a fun conversation. And I just love learning new things and creating new things and not being stuck in some niche where I can't expand and can't keep it interesting because why would people listen at that point? Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Well, that's, I got so scared about movies being our only topic that I was like, oh, my God, we need to get like other things going here to bring people in. I don't want everyone to think Montressor's the movie people. We are, I mean, undoubtedly, but we also do a lot of other stuff. I, I love that you know diversification of topic matter. And let me end, where did the name come from, Montressor? Oh, um, so uh, long story very short, Devin and I were killing ourselves to find a name, uh, A, a name that wasn't taken, so when we LLC, we won't have any issues, and B, something that represented us, and we were shooting our second short film and just had a crash out night, just like the caffeine wasn't working, no one was getting anything done, and normally we have like a no... No movies, no TV, t- nothing on. If you're not working on something, you're not being useful because it's a 72-hour film fest where you, you yep. know, limited time to get everything done. And it was the only year that I was like, ah, let's just turn something on, dude. I need to not think. And we turned on Treasure Planet. And the moon in that uh, world, their their moon is a space station, and it's call- called the Montressor Spaceport. I was and, hoping that was where it came from. Yep. <laughs> and and we were like, like both of us, as soon as they said Montressor Spaceport, we were like, that's it. That, and immediately like Googled, is this taken? No, it's not. Boom. It's ours. Registered it. We have like the Montressor Gmail. We have the Montressor Spaceport Gmail. We, we have like five different things that we optioned in the websites for them to be like, nope, this is all ours now. Sorry, everybody. This belongs to us. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Um, out of fear of creating another hour-long um, topic, <laughs> because I'm, I'm good at that, I'm going to thank you, dude, so much for coming on. Thank you for everything you've done to help me continue to build my stuff and for having me on your show, and I can't wait to be on again. Um, yep. film, film Rescue, if you guys haven't listened to it, it is, it is such a fun show and such a deep dive of topics to go into. And the guests, you get so you've gotten so many great guests on that show. I mean, because of you know just hearing the fact that Steve Cognetti, the Hellhouse guy, you know <laughs> what I mean. I heard him on, and I'm like, is this a guy I can get on my show? Like, I would have never even thought he was such a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, literally in five hours, we're talking to Jack Packard again. I'm just like, whoa. I, I, I don't know how it happens. We reach out, and they say yes. So I'm just gonna keep doing that. Yeah, that was like when the, the Geeks with Shields guys scored Graham McNeil, yeah. like the writer of several War Warhammer novels. Right. And he's like, yeah, and he was the coolest guest. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I love it. 
All right. Well, that thank you, Seth, for shooting the shit with Chippa, man. I really appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. All right. And we'll both talk to you guys again soon.